This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. So there was such an emptiness and such a void in my life that I began to turn to things that, that I thought would make me look cool to other people and, and help me to fit in with certain other crowds. He turned to pot and cocaine, and that soon led to meth. It is a mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual war with meth addiction. And I was literally losing my mind. Uh, I mean, I was in a war. Most addicts would just rather stay sick and addicted than they would go through the sickness of getting clean. And, and that was me, you know, and it just digressed. The more you use, the more you had to have. I believe that God was pursuing me. God's always been pursuing me, but I've always pushed him away. This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. Drug addiction in America has become a part of our culture. Federal survey states that 119 million Americans are on some kind of prescription drugs. Nearly half of all Americans over the age of 12 take prescription pain relievers, tranquilizers, sedatives, or stimulants. And 16% of the time, those drugs are misused by nearly 19 million Americans. Health officials are calling for more drug treatment, but also for more care in prescribing drugs in the first place. For the first time, the federal government's annual survey of drug use set out to find out what percentage of Americans use prescription drugs to begin with. NPR's Richard Harris reports a big number. Many people who abuse prescription drugs started out with a legitimate prescription. So the National Survey on Drug Use for the first time decided to tally up the use of these drugs. How many Americans take painkillers, tranquilizers, stimulants, and sedatives? The answer for this year? 119 million Americans. That's nearly 45% of the population. As I said, taking drugs is so much a part of the fabric of our society, it's hard to find anyone who isn't taking some kind of drug. I think we could say that we are in an addicted society. These statistics, of course, are drugs prescribed by doctors to help people manage their aches and pains. But what about those drugs we buy on the streets? How bad is that segment of our society? An article published by the Addiction Center gives us a clear picture of who is using drugs illegally. From 1999 to 2017, more than 700,000 Americans died from overdosing on a drug. From 1999 to 2017, 399,000 Americans lost their lives to opioids. In 2017, doctors issued 191 million opioid prescriptions. And lastly, about 494,000 Americans over the age of 12 are regular heroin users. So it's not surprising that we come to the conclusion that Americans are an addicted society, whether it's by prescription drugs or by illegal drug usage. And today on the City Sites podcast, I want to talk about addiction. I want to talk about how God has intervened in a man's life who has helped him overcome his addiction, and we'll be right back to talk to him. In recent years, culture has become more influential than the church. Much of the influence is a direct attack on the Bible and the truth. City Sites Podcast is designed to bring a different point of view, and we hope you will continue to listen as we make our case. 
I always wanted to talk to a former addict about the experiences that led them into substance abuse. So today, I found a good friend of mine. He's become a good friend for probably the better part of 20 years. And he was quite an addict. And we're going to talk about his story. I know that he's been sober now for six and a half years. He tells me he's been through about 12 treatment or rehab programs in his life. The last treatment program that he went through, things changed for him. The Lord just somehow got a hold of his life and he's been a different person ever since. Kevin, first of all, I want to thank you for your transparency in talking to me today. And what I want to accomplish is to find out what happened along the way that makes you want to use drugs. What happened to you? And why was it so hard for you to quit? So, Kevin, let's start from those earlier years. Let's go back to your childhood. What was that like? I was raised in South Minneapolis. I have three brothers and three sisters. I grew up in the teenage years in the 70s, so pretty much everybody was using drugs back then. It didn't seem abnormal. I think everybody in high school, including the people playing sports and everything, everybody used it. They used alcohol every weekend. I think everybody smoked pot during the week. It didn't seem strange. Along the way, you got married. Married and that marriage didn't last, but it, it went on for several years. You and her, did you ever use drugs together? A few times. Obviously, we drank together. Once we got married, she was more like less inclined to do any drugs. I still did cocaine occasionally on the weekends or meth back then. I don't know what they called it, but speed. Didn't do a lot of smoking pot. I think I was m- mainly drinking cocaine amphetamine. So a lot of people, Kevin, as you know, use substance abuse to sort of mask some kind of pain or they're trying to just to forget. What was your reason? Was there a reason you started on drugs and why you continued to use them even after you were married? I might have started uh, to mask some pain. I know there was like some divorce going on in my family, just kind of felt a little off, but I think the reason I kept doing it is because it helped me to deal with just general life, like not looking at bigger picture things, you know, like what's life about or anything like that. It was just kind of like in the 80s, kept you going, like not looking introspectively. It did to me. I know that now. I don't know if I knew it then. but Did you have any religious experiences as a child or in your family? Did you go to church as a family? We went to church as a family. I never like really believed I don't think when I got after I got married was when I really started looking into it. And you really got serious about your faith oh, during yeah. those married years. Yep. I was questioning. I asked everybody about like what they believed about life, about death, about religion, everything. About 6 months after I got married and nobody had an answer. That was like my first prayer. I I was in a bookstore and I was like thinking, you know, I don't know if you're real, but please like help me find a book that I could understand what's what life's about i happened to be in a b dalton in southdale and they like there was like a huge like stand of books from hal Lindsay. oh i never heard of them never the, heard of the late them. great Didn't planet earth yep oh, yeah. and i brought that book home and i read it the whole thing that night and at the end of it was a prayer and i prayed it and there was like an immediate peace and transformation knowing that this was the truth. So so you found a, a time when Jesus was important to you. You went to church, I understand. You even taught Sunday school. But something happened along the way. I know your wife wasn't really happy you became a Christian. So that 
relationship, as I understand it, ended. And then what happened? Why didn't your Christianity continue to flourish? I think at the beginning when uh, we were separated, I became angry at God. That's honestly what it was. I had stopped using drugs for like three years. I started going back to it, using cocaine, drinking, and within a matter of like a year, I was doing heroin. So, and that was back in 1985. So, well, not a lot of people were my age were doing heroin. And I, I jumped into it. I started doing it. I started loving the whole culture of that kind of subculture of drug use and everything. I ended up getting divorced, obviously, because... I was injecting it. I still had a job, but I was still like using it to like just shoot heroin every day, multiple times a day. Heroin and cocaine and speed. Wow. You were really uh, using a variety of drugs. When I first met you, Kevin, you and I worked together for a number of years, a while back, on media things and, and videos. You were a, our videographer, and uh, we did a lot of videos together. When we worked together, you know, for those first few years, you were really straight. I don't believe you were using, but then all of a sudden you started using again. Tell us that story. Yeah, I was straight on and off of using drugs. I would have like months of sobriety and then kind of use and then kind of go back. Here's the thing. I had been using for like decades now. I kind of knew at the time it was to like not listen to God's voice. The Holy Spirit inside me, when I'd get like sober for even like a few hours, produced such anxiety in me, I had to immediately go get heroin. And that would go on, you know, and then I'd just be on a run for months or years or whatever. So, and I kind of knew that when you're detoxing your withdrawals, you have a much clearer brain. And I knew that, but I just did more and more drugs to like cover up that voice. And so even when you went into Christian rehab, and I know you had a couple of those along the way, you seemed to do okay while you were in the program, but it just didn't take, right? I mean, you went back to drugs soon after you got out of the program. Yeah, it wasn't too long. I think part of it was that I just thought that you know, getting rid of the withdrawals and everything and being cleaned up and everything, that everything would be fine. And there wasn't any kind of like relationship, like building up any kind of discipline or discipleship. I really kind of ignored it. I thought, okay, this is like, all I have to do is be like, not do drugs and, you know, everything will be fine, which isn't the case. Obviously you have like problems and if you don't like have any type of way to deal with them, with mentors or with a a church or being involved or a group or a community, it's so easy to go back and try to scratch that itch thinking that you'll just do it one time and it'll get out of your system. It never does. It never does. Well, one of the things that happened to you is you went into Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge program. Somehow that program did something to you or it started you down the path of becoming more disciples. What, what happened? I mean, all of a sudden, you've been through 12 other rehab programs in your life, Kevin, and none of them really lasted for much time. And now, all of a sudden, something happened. What was it? Well, right before I went in there, I had tried as hard as I could. I had been on the methadone program and still doing heroin and cocaine or on different amounts at different times with the methadone. The methadone is supposed to be like a they call it a MAT, medically assisted treatment. So it's kind of like a program where it just supposed to sate your desire for that obsession to use, which it kind of does. You get high from it and you can add different drugs to get higher. So I had been doing that for like seven years, at six and a half years, I had done that and just never like wanted to like quit. My son who hadn't talked to me in about 
eight years. I would text him. He wouldn't talk to me. You know, he knew that I was drug addict, in and out of prison, didn't want anything to do with me, and called me and told me that he was going to be a father. That completely changed everything. I was like, I, I had talked to him for the first time in eight years, and I made a decision then to like do everything I could to get off of it. So I tried to get off the methadone, switched to a different drug, went through horrible withdrawals just going from that. Thought I was doing good, you know, I wasn't going back to church, I wasn't going into treatment again. I was all I was doing was like not being on drugs and after about a year of that, I couldn't get off. I could not let go of the a different type of like methadone called Suboxone. Just couldn't let it go. And I tried everything tried everything I could possibly do. I would try to discipline myself, getting up at 4.30, running, doing everything I could to get off of it. Physically that I thought I could go, I would go to meetings every day, which were good, but there was just something that I couldn't let go of it. And that's when I ran into somebody that I hadn't seen in 10 years, and he had worked at Teen Challenge. And he just calmly, he goes, <laughs> you know, he had a really good radio voice. He was awesome. He was the guy that did our call center. And he just like kind of said, hey, how you doing? And I told him like I was trying not to cry because I had tried so hard. And he goes, you know, why don't you go talk to, you know, Pastor Terry, Pastor Rich, and, and go into Teen Challenge. And it was like a one-minute conversation. And within a week, I was in Teen Challenge. And for the next, I would say, Three months in there, I went through withdrawals. They tapered me off. They have like an ambulatory kind of detox off of it, but they did a really good job. Three weeks, I was off of everything because I had been on like antipsychotic, antidepressants, multiple antidepressants, anti-anxiety, and I got off of all of it. And I would say it took about three months before I started actually sleeping more than like an hour at night. But I stayed there for some reason. It felt like God was just keeping me there because I, I, I had nothing to go back to. I had like just this horrible life of just getting up, going to the methadone program and coming back and doing nothing. So I stayed there and all of a sudden it was like a fever broke. After three months, I started listening to like what they were talking about and how you can come back and, you know, like letting go of resentments, letting go of like hatred towards yourself or unforgiveness towards yourself or other people. And something just clicked and it was like a fever broke and they could see it in me. I mean, my whole disposition changed just being in that relationship, a fervent relationship with Christ again. And the obsession was gone. The obsession to use completely went away. And it had been there for like 30 years almost. Wow. And like even when I would go through treatments, that obsession was always in the back of my heart or my mind or whatever. That obsession completely went away. You know, back in those days, before you went through the treatment, I honestly said, Kevin is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, but you can't trust him yeah. because he'll turn around and, and uh, smile at your face. And then you, if you turn around, he'll be using drugs on you. And of course, you were in my employment for there uh, for a number of years. And of course, we had to end that due to the fact that you were using drugs many of the days <laughs> we were working together. But I noticed when you went through Teen Challenge, I noticed that distinctive change as well. There was something different about you. You, you could see it in your countenance, you, your color came back in your face, and you had no memory loss. Then this is amazing because a lot of drug addicts, you know, they just fry their brains, you know, and, and you didn't have that happen. You were clear, you were precise, right? I mean, you didn't have any ramifications after coming down. 
after coming down when I first went in there, like the, the director like couldn't believe it was me because, you know, like I was afraid to drive. I was afraid to drive a car because I thought I would get lost. I thought I was like suffering from some kind of like early dementia or early Alzheimer's even. Couldn't remember how to get on my phone or I'd go to the library and sit and look at a computer screen and not be able to figure out how to get on. And I worked on computers. I mean, I knew how to do it. I could not figure out how to remember how to like get access, the internet, anything like that. It was very sad. But yes, when I came back, I would say after about three months, I could tell that my memory was starting to be healed more and more and more. I remembered too much, I think, sometimes. But it was it was definitely God because I know people that have gotten that wet brain, they call it, you know, because I was using one of the drugs I was using was a like Valium or benzodiazepine. It has the same chemical composition as alcohol and it will like cause that memory loss and they call it like wet brain where you can't restore it. Even if you get sober, you still have that memory loss and everything. But I would say, yeah, it took a couple of years before I was even able to like get back into doing like any kind of like videography or editing or everything, but it definitely changed. Well, I have to admit, Kevin, you're probably one of the better videographers I know. Your life has changed. You not only went through the program with the Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge, but now you are employed by them. You're employed by the very folks that helped you get sober and clean and restored in the things of the Lord. And that's a big thing. You're in church. You are a miracle, an absolute miracle. So tell us what your life is like today. I think one of the biggest things is back in a relationship with Christ. There is no like idea or fear in my heart that God's going to let me go which was a big thing before, that I've been forgiven and that I have like a daily, every day, getting up, you know, praying. Everything I do goes by, whether it's like work. When I edit, I walk around praying because I get stuck and I don't know how to do things. When I'm filming, we start everything off, start out the day with like bathed in prayer, you know, so I, I want God to be part of every decision I make, like big major decisions, any kind of decision, even small stuff, you know, the way I eat, the way I exercise and everything. I, I go to prayer a lot. So that's the biggest change, you know, as far as personally with my son, that is like incredible because we have a relation. We started going out to lunch and we started meeting for dinner. Then he started letting, you know, introduced me to his son. I have a grandson that he lets me have. And I'm so grateful for it because I know that's got to be God working in his life too, you know, because I would not let an ex-con heroin <laughs> necessarily have my grandson for the whole weekend or weeks at a time. We've gone on vacations together. It's it's like that is a testament to how much God can change a person and use your life to change other people too. So I'm so grateful for that. Kevin, thank you for coming. Thank you for telling us your story and how God intervened and made a difference in your life. Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday, we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators, all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com.